Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. Last month I offered the advertising space to smaller businesses um, just as a as a nod to the hard work that they do behind the scenes. Many people have full-time jobs and they have their side gig, uh, their true passion and love that they do when they come home, when the kids are in bed or at the weekends. So this is just an opportunity to provide a space for them to chat about their passion and advertise what they love doing. So this week I am chatting about Kaylikins and they are a new family business it is run by two sisters, Jenny and Jackie from Mayo. They are focused on creating high quality products for baby and beyond. Their first collection was released on the 4th of November and features 100% 22 mom grade 6A mulberry silk bedding for newborns, children and adults. The collection features bassinet sheets, co-sleeper sheets, cot sheets and pillowcases. So why silk? Well, let's talk about it. Silk is a natural fibre that's breathable. This means that it's safe for baby and beyond. It's temperature regulating, meaning meaning it keeps you and baby warm in winter, but cool in summer. It's anti-friction, so everyone wakes up without face creases and frizzy hair while baby skips that awkward ball spot phase. It's hyperallergenic. This is a biggie. Silk won't harbour any of those nasty allergens. This is especially important for those babies that have silk issues like eczema and allergies. It doesn't attract dust mites and it's a natural antifungal too. It's kind to skin. Silk stops your skin being pulled and dragged as you move in your sleep. It's also hydrating. So it keeps your skin and hair moisturised too. So what it means really is better skin, better hair, better sleep for you and baby. And I will attach all of their social media links and their website in the show notes as well. In this week's episode, I share my chat with Jane who talks me through her two pregnancies and birth. Jane gave birth to her first little baby at 32 weeks and she actually thought uh, she had uh, a prolapse cord when her baby, when her waters broke, but it was actually her baby's little foot. So her little boy was delivered via emergency C-section and she was under general anaesthetic as well. She gave birth to her second little baby at 36 weeks and thankfully this was a 
a more healing birth as we talk about in the in the episode lots around breastfeeding as well so a really important listen thank you jane for sharing your story and agreeing to enjoy so jane you are very welcome to the Ireland's birth stories podcast thank you for agreeing to come on and share your story thank you yeah i know we chat we spoke there briefly just over dms i was like gosh i have to hear more about your story so do you want to just give us a little introduction to you and your family and then we'll talk about your your first pregnancy yeah so um i'm a second time mom now so two babies a little boy and a little girl um first little boy was born in 2019 so just before the covid hit so kind of two covid babies i suppose when it comes to growing up and that um living in kilkenny and i'm actually a public health nurse um oh, cool. okay. Yeah. so um yeah live in Kilkenny so and my husband both from Kilkenny met in Sydney um what I suppose 11 years ago now so yeah that's our kind of background did you did you know each other before before you went to Sydney no no we moved I moved to Sydney in 2008 and I lived in Sydney traveled around Australia and in 2010 then I met my husband through friends of mine in in Sydney um and then we got together about two years later so and we got married then in we moved home to Ireland in 2015 and we got married then in 2008 2003 oh my goodness <laughs> 2018 <laughs> away with the fairies baby brain <laughs> as bad as I am I don't know our anniversary I'm like oh it's the 21st or 22nd I'm sure who knows <laughs> yeah all gets mushed into others now you remember birthdays and everything as well so yeah exactly so will we chat about your first pregnancy? Yeah, so um, first pregnancy, I had a little boy, um, Rian. Um, he was born um, in on the 12th of November 2019, um, eight weeks early. So he was um, eight weeks premature, born at 32 weeks. Um, it was an okay pregnancy. There was no issues, um, very mild nausea, no problems at all, at all, at all. He was breech presentation for all of my um scans and okay. then went to bed on Monday I'd worked that day um as I said as a public health nurse uh worked that day came home went for a 9k walk did a two kilometer swim um was watching telly here went to bed at 12 o'clock and at one o'clock I woke up with the kind of um peeing sensation um so I felt like I did I was, kind of felt like I wet myself and I just got up out of bed walked to the toilet so just so cool just an ensuite you know in a normal bedroom and by yeah. the time I got to the door my waters broke and went into the toilet then and his foot came out so I obviously like I have nursing background I thought it was his cord I didn't realize I suppose I didn't know what it was um so I could feel something there something had come out and when I put my hand there it just it kind of felt like soft and that like, like cord so I started freaking out um we're only we're looking to Kenny we're only 10 minutes from the hospital so um I obviously my husband heard my water's breaking and he kind of sat up in the bed and I said we have to go to the hospital now I can feel something that we have to go um so we I got, got kind of half dressed made our way to the hospital um it was trying to sit down on the car was the big thing I didn't know what to yeah. do um so we I got into the car kind of sat on the edge of the seat um because I didn't know what it was and I couldn't sit down properly so I sat at the edge of the seat and we drove to the hospital I rang the hospital on my way in 
and I said like that I was 32 weeks um, and my waters broke and that I was on my way in and that something had popped out but I don't think they heard the last part of the but last part of it, they heard 32 weeks, water's breaking, but they didn't hear that my foot came out, that, that something was there. And when I got into the hospital then, um, they just said, oh, hop up in the bed there, we have a look. And then I saw their faces, I'll never forget it, when they saw his foot, um, they just turned around and then started calling the emergency bells on the phones then, ringing doctors. And then I kind of, it was all all hands on deck. There was loads of doctors, loads of midwives in with us. And I literally had two hands up in the air. They're putting cannulas in one. I was trying to sign a consent for another um, because his foot was out. It had to be an emergency general anesthetic section. So mm. we're rushed then straight down. So I think my waters broke at, it was one o'clock and he was born at one forty-six. Is that right? So to bring us back, had you... <laughs> Had you done any preparation at this point for, or had you, did you have any preferences um, in terms of birth and all of that? So I'm sure this is to anybody, this is a complete shock, yeah. but had you, did you know in your mind um, what type, what your ideal birth looked like or what yeah. you would have liked? Yeah, like my ideal birth was a normal delivery, uh, normal vaginal delivery with, um, I wanted gas and air kind of um, a holistic kind of low mood um delay cord clamping normal delivery and I was planning to avoid an epidural if I could and try yeah. to go through glass and air um in the bath and just the ball and that so that's what I had planned to do um but I'd never made it to any classes um I think I had them booked for about two or three weeks later yeah um so there was no 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 mental or no mind preparation for labor at all at that stage I, I had my bag packed um because I was in my friend's house the week before and I got the last little bits for my bag so I had my bag packed luckily enough and the baby's bag packed um but not in my head prepared for a birth at all so and did you feel any any contractions at all throughout this nothing woke up nothing. with just literally just that peeing sensation um that's the only only sensation I ever felt. Um, and then when obviously when his foot was moving on the way in, I could feel that movement. But oh obviously I didn't know what it was. You could feel his, 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 his leg. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. So it was it was the consultant said to me afterwards that I used the word I'm traumatized um so it was it was very traumatic to be honest yeah yeah, yeah it was uh, how did you feel at that time I'd say you just go into I just shock mode. yeah I was just I suppose I was panicking because I thought the baby had died and yeah because if it was the core the baby would have died um so I suppose that's what I was thinking the whole way in the car it was the longest 10 minutes of my life going in the car and even that I said to my husband oh drive faster drive faster and he to be honest, he nearly I said to him try go through red traffic lights and he didn't but there was a cyclist passed then so it was like do you know, those little things that you're kind of going I was trying to get to the hospital as fast as we could but obviously had to be safe and it was a long 10 minute drive in do you know when you're just thinking the worst so when you were in the hospital and they're all flying around doing everything I'm sure 
no one was talking to you at that stage because everyone was in a panic to get baby out basically and keep you safe so what was running through your mind I was lucky because I have a nursing background so I I was an anesthetic nurse beforehand so I know what it was like I know I knew what I was in store so I just turned to my husband and said look you're going to be put asleep you're not going to be there and this is what's going to happen so they were to be fair the doctors in the midst of or trying to get me to sign a consent form to say these are the complications that you could arise from having a, a cesarean section so they were saying that to me as well but then okay. like that if you weren't aware or you didn't have any knowledge of anything that would have been very scary but I had a background knowledge of sections so I kind of knew what I was in for but my husband didn't have a clue what's going on so so is he there? Does he want to say anything? Do you want to say anything? <laughs> Just from your perspective, I'm I'm sure it was terrifying if you didn't, if uh, I'm sure you, you probably couldn't be spoken to because everyone was running around the place. But I don't know if you want to share how you felt at that time. It was more the unknown, I think, um, because no one even like, even when the doctor, came in and um, when Dr. Vini came in and said that the leg has popped out it was more like they didn't say anything she said the leg has popped out or do an emergency section and like like there was no is in the leg has popped out the baby's alive or we didn't know anything yeah. at that stage uh, or why it happened or how it happened or if the baby was safe or if it was going to be safe or anything and that was the big unknown I think was the biggest kind of factor on it um, but I was slightly oblivious to it just when, when Jane woke up first and I was asleep the next minute. I just heard her waters breaking. And I went, all right, she's going into labor. And next minute she was saying, oh, I can feel something between my legs. I didn't know what that was at all, or if it was anything, or if that was normal. Uh, if uh, when, when your waters break, you would feel a, a different sensation there or anything like that. So I suppose it was the unknown, really. It was the big factor. And then when we found out it was the baby's leg, it was still kind of more worrying. And then was was and so when you got into the hospital did they throw you on a monitor at all they put yeah they took me top up to the bed and then they saw the foot and that's when they kind of started running around and then somebody else did put me on the ctg just so i i suppose i knew that the baby was alive because i could hear the heartbeat but i suppose Eamon didn't because he would never have heard that I suppose and I yeah in the background so they didn't explain to me they just had it on and then they were running around as well so I suppose as for someone who didn't know what was going on he didn't know that the baby was alive or dead whereas I knew by that was the heartbeat yeah yeah so you signed the consent form and they brought you down do you remember much of that I remember transferring over to the trolley um from the tra- the bed that I was on transferring over to the theatre trolley and I remember in the I don't remember being wheeled into the theatre but I remember saying goodbye to Eamon and then I was in the theatre and I remember them saying like you know they were they don't want to put me asleep and I was actually laughing because my sister worked in the hospital I was in and the consultant that was doing the surgery actually said her name when I was going to sleep going oh Lisa I'm going to start there now so I was laughing going to sleep going oh she got my name wrong do you know so it was a good thing I went to sleep with but yeah I didn't do you know yeah I just remember that going to sleep that part yeah do Eamon is it Eamon yeah 
Can I ask you a question? You just tell me if you're busy. I was no, just going to ask not. you there. No, the baby's okay. Rain um, was born and was, he was obviously checked over. And then Eamon, was he given over to you? No. So, no, he was. Can you um, hear him okay? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So uh, I suppose when Jane was brought away first, uh, I was just mm-hmm. left out in the waiting room and I kind of just sat there and the nurses said they'd come out. And I suppose after about 15 minutes, I could hear um, a baby crying. And I assumed it was uh, our little baby who I was. And then about five minutes later, um, they brought Brian out in an incubator. um, And they said, uh, here's your your baby boy. And uh, he said he's okay. And that's what they were bringing him up to the skaboo at that stage. Uh, for monitoring just because he was so premature and that time he was brought in straight away so I got when he opened when she was born when he was born first I kind of got to see him for a minute or two and then they brought him off into this caboo and then he was in there for about an hour um, and then they told me I could go up to him then at that stage and they let me in uh, into this caboo area and I I was able to see them in in there Uh, and it was about two or three hours later Jane was brought up after that but she was still out of it at that stage do you remember how you felt when you came around from the general um i was i was i suppose they said to me oh, i was a little boy and i was delighted and then i suppose you're overwhelmed because you don't feel the birth at all like the baby is just gone um and then like that then they brought me straight up like it's really fuzzy I remember they brought me back upstairs to where the baby was and they brought me past the room when he was in there and opened the door so I could glance in, but she couldn't see him. He was in an incubator. Um, That separation was really tough because they brought me down to the bedroom and I had no interaction with him. I never saw him really. And I wasn't going to be seen. He wasn't going to be shown to me. Eamon took some pictures on his phone. So that's the only thing I had was a few pictures on the phone but then I was brought down to a room without my baby and this was I think three o'clock or four o'clock in the morning maybe um and that was it then the the skaboo nurses came down to me with the picture they printed out of him and gave it to me and said they bring me up to him in the morning and that was the only interaction I had with him until I suppose about 11 o'clock the next day um so was he was born at 1.46 a.m. and it was 11 a.m. by the time I actually got to see him. So that was really hard. Yeah. And you obviously were recovering from a general anesthetic, which you know more than anyone that that's tough. You had given birth to your hormones, I'm sure, were starting to wreak havoc. And had you decided, had they asked you if you wanted to go ahead and give him formula or were you going to... No, I was breastfeeding. Um, that was one of the first obstacle, I suppose, that we came across in the hospital. Um, I was I adamant breastfeeder um, and I wanted to breastfeed. I didn't want formula at all. And I suppose they do encourage breastfeeding anyway with, with preemie babies. Um, but there was no support. That was the first obstacle, really. Um, I was saying, oh, do I start getting expressing to get more milk? And, you know, because it was a section, it was so early, you know, there was no milk. And what was the story? And they gave me a booklet and Eamon had actually read it while he was waiting on me for breastfeeding. 
for the uh, neonatal babies. So he kind of read that leaflet and they handed me the leaflet and they handed me a few syringes folded over the page. And that was what they did. Um, now, I was very, very lucky. My sister is a midwife. As I said, she works in the hospital. She's in Australia. And so my nighttime was her daytime. So okay. I was ringing her. I was talking to her and she was telling me that now you're supposed to start hand express and straight away to try bringing your milk um, to bring it to the baby. And she was saying, like, you're, you're going to only get a couple of like couple the point of a mill like you'll only get a couple of millimeters from it like you won't get any really at all so she was helping me but I was getting no support in the hospital even though it was something that should have been encouraged because he was so premature so how did you get on with the hand expression how did you manage it and so were you hand expressing and then were you pumping as well or how did it work yeah yeah, I was. I was hand expression. To be honest, my husband helped me. Eamon helped me with that as well because I was nearly in tears trying to get milk out and he did help me and he got milk out for me. Like we're doing it every, my sister used to tell me you do it eight times in the day and this is what you have to do. So from her help, I did. And then I asked for the pump that was never offered me. I asked for, them for a pump. The pump was wheeled down, never told how to use the pump. Um, when I asked for help they're like oh yeah we're back in a minute never got any help I had to google how to use that particular pump um, then I met a really nice girl in Skabu a nice nurse and she said to me like you'll need to go get a pump yourself so she gave me a list of pumps that were good and then I, my sister helped me as well and I ordered a pump on Amazon and that got delivered to me the next day Um it was strange because I was going to the night I had him that Monday. I had him Tuesday morning, say Monday night into Tuesday morning. I was supposed to go to um, a Lech League meeting in the, in the hospital that Monday, but I was feeling tired. So I was like, oh, I'm not in the mood today. I'll go next week. So I, I was nearly going to a meeting, but then I never made it. So, um, so I was transferred to another hospital then. Um, where because he wasn't going, he wasn't pooing, so they needed okay. he needed intravenous ter- uh, food, so they weren't really giving him my milk anyway. Um, so I was transferred to another hospital, and then the support down there there was a breastfeeding room, there was pumps there, it was much more supportive. Brilliant. Um, now my husband laughs because every midwife or every nurse that we came across in any of the departments told us different things. So one one nurse would tell me I was pumping for triplets and another one would tell me, oh, you're pumping the right amount. So like every, there was conflicting information given all the time by how much I was pumping and milk and that. Which, which is very stressful yeah. because pumping alone yeah. is, is really hard work. Yeah. So, um, but look, he did, he like, to be honest, I exclusively breastfed for 18 months and that encouraged me to go on to be a lactation consultant as well. So my oh, experience yeah. did help me in a way, do you know? So that's brilliant. Yeah. So just when, um, with your section, did they send off your placenta for, uh, just to look at basically to see, see what happened? Yeah, they did. And nothing came about. It came back okay. normal. Yeah, all bloods, everything came back normal. The only rationale that I was given was it was potentially that he was breached for my whole pregnancy. That's the only inkling that they can give that why I went early. And how long was Rian in hospital for? 
he was in hospital for six weeks. So I was lucky. Um, he, he got discharged at 30, it would have been his 38 weeks. He, so he got discharged at 38 weeks, which is good. You know. How did you feel then when you got home with him and you could really sit down and study him yeah. and just have a good look at him, I suppose? Um, I, so I know that that was another kind of a taboo thing. Um, so we were transferred back to the original hospital. Um, he was on he was on NG feeding um, NG milk, my breast milk through NG. He was on trying to breastfeed him myself um, as well. So I was doing rooming in as much as I could, but there's no real facility in the hospital to do it. So it depends on how busy the hospital was. Okay. So I probably roomed in with him maybe two nights or three nights and he didn't feed very well to be honest on me so he was getting all the top-ups and he was getting um a fortifier as well in the my milk once a day and I was kind of I'm very headstrong in the sense I didn't want Rian to have a bottle and I didn't want him to have the nipple preference of a bottle and the flow. I didn't want him to get used to it because I wanted to feed him exclusively myself. Yeah. So I refused a bottle full stop. They had to, I wanted them to pace feed him when they're feeding him with a cup feed. And that was kind of, I kind of got a bit of aggro from the nurses in there. And there was one particular nurse I rang up, like I'd ring at my, when I was pumping in the middle of the night when I was at home, I'd ring at like 3am feed and see how he's going. And two nights in a row when I rang, they said to me, oh, he's after, he took the bottle, he gulped down the bottle. And I was like, I didn't, told you not to give a bottle. I don't want him to have a bottle. And then they kept saying, oh, well, there's no such thing as nipple confusion. I said, there's not, but there's nipple preference. So I said, I expressed that I didn't want him to have a bottle at all um and you're not doing what I'm asking so the Friday night I roomed in and he didn't really feed very well on and off kind of he did feed and he didn't feed and um I suggested tongue tie was an issue and um they were telling me oh it's not an issue because he is it's not affecting his weight but my argument was that no it's not affecting his weight because He's been tube fed the top ups and you're getting fortifier. So oh, no, yeah. it's not affecting. But you could see when he stuck out his tongue, it went into a fork. So this Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It was quite obvious sometime. Um and I suppose you're vulnerable at the stage, no matter what your knowledge is, you're vulnerable anyway. So when you're saying one thing and if the doctors are telling you one another thing, you kind of just listen to them. So as I said, we've roomed in on the Friday night, um, Saturday morning, and then the nurse came in and took out his NG tube was falling out, so she whipped it out and said, Oh, you'll probably be able to go home now. And I was so so overwhelmed and happy that I can bring my baby home. I was like, okay, that's great, great, we can go home now. And my sister was here at the time. She came home from Australia to help me and she was saying, oh, I don't know, are you sure you're able to come home? You no, know, like the feeding. And I said, yeah, we said we can come home, we can come home. So we went from being tube fed to breastfed to tops up with the SMA fortifier to going home with just exclusively breastfeeding. And he lost... Was it 200 and something grams when he was only a 2.6 kilo baby? And going home, so he dropped about 240 days because he wasn't effectively feeding because of the tongue tie. Mm. Um, so we, my sister was kind of saying, no, look, we need to get the tongue tie done. So the day I got discharged, I booked into a tongue tie clinic and got the appointment first thing Monday morning. So we got that sorted. So he, it helped his feeding, but... I suppose it was just the fact that the hospital were saying no, but it was only that I suppose my sister was removed from it a little bit with her knowledge was adamant that we had to get the tongue tie done because I kept saying, oh, look, maybe we'll look at it in a couple of weeks. I suppose I was still naive to the fact that it was a problem. It's so, but the advice regarding tongue ties is so conflicting. Like yeah. it really is. So, yeah. So when you got him home and he was dropping that weight and you did you see a, a change in him when he got the tongue tie sorted did his weight did he start regaining his weight it took a little bit of a while because I suppose from the changeover of having the fortifier as well and him learning how to do proper suck it really did it was two weeks of hardship because yeah. the public health nurse was coming and weighing him and his weight was barely going up whilst dropping and, my, and she was saying like if the weight doesn't start coming up soon then you're going to have to bring him into peace and then my husband was like no that's it and said to my mother go get formula and go get a bottle we're giving him formula and that's the end of it and I suppose the other side of a ball and crying going no we're not giving him formula so it was yeah. really overwhelming and like the emotions were just all over the place and I suppose I wanted to I felt I want to feed him myself and I didn't want to give him nothing. There's anything wrong with people giving formula, but I didn't want to give it. I wanted to breastfeed exclusively and that's the way I did. And I suppose you're in such a haze that in hindsight, it's like, well, should I have really given just the formula for the couple of weeks? But I did get this the fortifier and I started giving him that and that pulled up his weight. And I was giving it to him every couple of days as opposed to daily. So that really helped. And then his weight did come up eventually. Okay. 
But like yeah, you so do, it's really hard when when you know when you know how you want to do it and yeah. you just you just it's very hard to and everyone mean it means well people's advice yeah. and people are trying to yeah it, it's it's yeah. a hard place to be in. yeah yeah so h- how did you feel emotionally then especially around the four month mark um when I know our hormones can go completely nuts on us around the four yeah. month mark um, how did you I feel was, I was fine actually in the four months that would have been December around March I actually was okay I think around those stages I suppose then he was growing really well <laughs> he's saying I am hormone all the time <laughs> um, but no I think around March that would have been around the March time Covid was just starting to hit around then but actually was okay because I was starting to go out walking and guess the weather was a bit better at that time in March yeah. 2019 so the weather was good I was actually okay emotional wise um, I was okay um, the first up until the end of January, mid February, I think was my hardest times. He was born in the November, so from November to January, February was hard. So you started finding your groove then, really, in yeah, in March, yeah. yeah, yeah. So do you want to talk to us about your second pregnancy? Yes. Yeah, so I had a little girl there, um, the twenty first of September, I'm just gone. Um, she was five weeks early, so. Um, this little devil was fine, same pregnancy throughout. I was convinced it was another boy. Um, so it was the same pregnancy. I had no problems. She wasn't breached. She was always in the right position. So I didn't have that problem. And they were checking me quite regularly every two, three weeks. I was getting really like scanned all the time to make sure everything was okay. No problems at all. And then I got to about 33 and a half weeks, 34 weeks. 34 weeks I got a scan the 34 plus one I got a scan that Wednesday no problems at all she said to me the consultant said now it's time for you to start doing your exercises like your bounce on the ball and I was delighted so 34 weeks going this is great I can start the ball I never did it before I read you know I never had that experience so delighted and I came home told my mom and she was like oh I don't know if I'll be starting that yet I'd wait a while so didn't take down the ball that night I had a show that Wednesday night. So I'd only been scanned a couple of hours previous, had a bit of a show, said it to my husband and I said, look, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, I'll ring the consultant tomorrow and let her know. So I was talking to one of my friends and she said, no, I nearly do something about it now. And so I, I went privately. So I had a really good consultant. So I text her a message, a text message that night. And she wrote back to me and told me to come in to the president to the hospital the next day and get some steroids to bring on the baby's lungs um just in case that happened so I did that I went into into the hospital on the Thursday got the first dose of steroids went in on the Friday got the next dose of steroids and then Friday night I was fine then no other show nothing at all Friday night I went I went to bed and I kind of said to my husband I said the baby doesn't seem to be moving as much my movement time for the second baby was between 9 and 11 there was loads of movements loads of kicking loads of activity and then I said there wasn't as much movement now tonight it's very strange so I went to bed and I was you know the usual shine the torch on the belly kind of yeah. jiggling her belly and drinking the cold water having something sugary and I was like they're not moving that much at all and I kind of fell asleep I kind of felt I thought I felt one little movement I said oh I felt a movement there I went to sleep woke up around four o'clock and I went no something is off this baby's not moving as much so woke up my husband and he went he goes like oh you're doting like there's nothing wrong with you cop on do you know and I went no I'm driving into the hospital now and that's it so I drove in myself now that was 
horrible drive. Like he was here with other little fella and it wasn't like I was in labor. So I didn't expect him to come in. I was driving in and I was actually in an awful state going, oh my God, this baby's dead now. And, you know, just the worst things every mum, you think the worst thing possible. Drove in, parked up, went in. They showed me on the CTG the baby was alive and they showed me the movements. They're like, you feeling those movements? I said, no, I couldn't feel the movements. And they said, they did a scan. The placenta was in the right position. Like it wasn't blocking my movements. There was no major concern about why but they just said they keep me in that morning till, till later on in the afternoon on the Saturday morning so the consultant came in and scanned me um it was really thorough like scanned about an hour not about a good hour that she was scanning me and she said there's loads of movements there but there was no strong movements that I can feel as she can see do you know the way they can see the strength of the contractions on the or not the contractions but the strength of the movements on the monitor and she said there was no strong movements at all she measured my cervix and it was shortened um okay. so it showed that my body was starting um to process the labor so she, she said to me like it could happen in the next week or it could go to term is what I was told so they said they were going to keep me in for more observation again all day Saturday and then Sunday they were doing the CTG monitoring it was getting better like the contract the movements were getting better I could feel more movements and the, the monitor was shown really well and then Sunday morning, they said, you can go home today if you want, but you have to come back tonight for another monitor and come back tomorrow night, tomorrow, Monday for another monitor. And I said, fine, no problem. I'll do that. So I came home, no problems. And I sent the little fella off to Childminder Monday morning and I stayed complete bread rest, basically. Got up, go to the toilet and make a cup of tea. And then I stayed in bed all day. And about two o'clock, I had a big show. Um and I didn't ring them or anything because I was going in at three o'clock for another scan anyway. So I went in, I took a picture of the show, went in and I said to them, look, I had another show today, showed him the picture and he wasn't happy that I was to go home. So he rang the consultant and she said, no, keep her in. And so they kept me in that. That was Monday. They were keeping me in. So I had so I drove over myself. Bag was still in the car from the weekend because I'd only gone home the day before. Yeah. Um, so kept the bag, got went out and got the bag and I rang my husband and I said, this is around seven o'clock. And I said, look, um, I said, I have a funny feeling about tonight. I'm going to ring my mum, lives a half an hour away. So I'm going to ring my mum and ask her to come up in case anything happens overnight that Reen is minded and you don't need to worry about anything. You just need to come in if I ring you. So I started getting like, I suppose, period cramps around that stage. You go if you need to. No, he's just okay. left her down and um, that's why she's crying because she's not getting a cuddle is all. <laughs> um, so I started getting kind of period like cramps in my lower abdomen at about eight o'clock. And I said it to the midwife, I said, oh, and I get a few, old, you know, cramps on my down my lower belly. And she said, oh, that's only Bradkin Hicks, like that you're not in labor you're 35 weeks and it doesn't come on this fast and I said all right okay um and I was texting my sister and she said that you know where a position is it could be labor but generally it's not it's usually on your back so I said grant and then they put on the CTG monitor and I and they said to me did you have any Bragg and Hicks while you were on the monitor I said yeah I had a few of them I had them and I had the times written down at these times for however long because I was recording them on my phone and the midwife just said to me, she goes, oh, don't show up on the monitor 
So they're not contractions. They're only Bradkin Hicks. And this monitor was put on from nine o'clock until 10 o'clock. And then at 11 o'clock, I went out to find a midwife and said, look, I'm getting the pains quite strong sometimes and they're not consistent. They're varying between 20 and 40 seconds. They could be six minutes or 10 minutes apart. There's no consistency in them. Um, and she said, oh, do you want a heat pack? And then you can try to go to sleep. And I said, look, I can't really sleep through them. They're yeah. they're quite, you know, noticeable. I said, I wouldn't be able to fall asleep with them. And I said, can I try the bath? So they ran the bath for me. I got into the bath at midnight and... I was in the bath and then the really full and strong and regular contractions were coming and they heard me in the bathroom and they came in at 20 to one. I'd gotten out and I just looked at them and said, I don't care what you're telling me. I said, I'm in labor. I'm not, this is not Bradkin Hicks. This is labor. Listen to me. Yeah. Listen to me. Now the older midwife that I originally was with, um, she kind of rolled her eyes up at me and the younger girl just said, look, I'm going to take her down to the labor ward and measure and see what's going on. So they brought me down and I was four centimeters dilated. So she looked at me and she said, you're four centimeters. And I, I went out and the other midwife, original one, was waiting to see, do you know what was going on? And the, the younger midwife held up her hand and said four. And she looked at the other midwife and she went, oh. So I just said, look, go down and get my phone after my husband to come in. So that was at quarter to 1 a.m. And I was four centimetres. And then like that, my birth plan was the same as with Rian. I wanted the delay or clamping. I wanted low mood and um, gas and air if I could tolerate the pain. So I'd see how I do it. And I didn't want to be in the bed. I didn't want to be lying down in the bed. I wanted to stand up or, you know. So I told all this to the midwife and she took all of it on board. She's very good, like the lights weren't up high in the room and went in and showed me how to work the gas and air, put me back on a CTG monitor. And um, then the monitor was shown that the con- that the heart rate of the baby was going up. So they rang the consultant and she said to check me and out. So my husband got there at 1.30 a.m. They put me on the bed at 1.45 just to check me and I was nine centimetres dilated. And my water still hadn't been broken, so my waters are still intact. And they said they'd have to break my waters. And at that stage, I was saying, I'm not staying on this bed. Like, I want to get out. I can't manage the pain. I need to stand up. I need to move about. And they wouldn't let me back out of the bed. Um, so I'd stay on the bed. The consultant came in then at 2 o'clock, broke my waters, and she was born at 2.16. So, yeah, so it was another another strange one, but more of a natural one, I suppose. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you got to, I suppose, use the pool. You kind of found your voice a little bit and was like, yes. listen, listen to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was, yeah. yeah, that helped a lot. Yeah. So, but did you still feel the shock factor to some extent? Yeah, I did. I suppose because it was shock in the sense that you're not being listened to and they're telling you you're not in labour and then to be four centimetres. So do people go into the hospital one centimetre? Do you know? And it was just that you're fighting every step of the the, the whole process um, for what could have been if they just listened to me for I suppose from the start. It would have been a completely different experience because I was fighting them to tell them I was in labour to then they were listening to me and then I was fighting them again because they wanted me to lie down the bed and I didn't want to be on the bed and 
there will seem to be just stages where you're fighting with them and it's like you don't have to be like that if they just listen to what we wanted and like if they give me a logical reason about why I have to do something yeah. then that's fine and if there's a safety reason for me or my baby that would have said I had to lie on the bed then yes but there was no logic behind it like the other midwife had had inco sheets on the floor in case my water's broke you know there was everything in place but they wanted me on the bed because that's the way it's done and that's what they wanted um but I had not wanted that because I suppose I'd looked up a lot of things and like I know a lot of people have their baby lying on the bed but it the best birth that's not the best birthing position I suppose to be in for to prevent any tearing and you know so I kind of wanted to prevent all of that and that's why I wanted to stand up and do that way so and did she come up onto your chest when she was born or did they do skin to skin immediately yeah they did and to be fair the midwife the minute she was born the midwife said stop she wants to lay cord clamping okay. um now the cord was short so she came up a little bit but she was yeah they put her straight skin to skin um straight away and they gave her the vitamin k didn't they when she went on me I think they gave it to her while she was eyeing on me. I think they gave it. And now they did keep the wishes of the Lake Hall camping, to be fair. Um, she was five weeks early, but she was 2.67 kilos. So she was a good size and she didn't need to go to the neonatal department at that stage. Oh, brilliant. Okay. So, yeah. So, so did she it, latch on then? Did, yeah. We went straight on and it seemed good. She had a good suck. Um, latched on straight away and it was amazing to be able to hold your baby straight away and it was just overwhelming in that sense that like you, ha- you delivered I delivered my baby myself um, I was proud that I did it with true gas and air what I had wanted to do and that's I, I got you know I, I, I did achieved that and to have her with me straight away was amazing like it just really was amazing experience for me and do you feel it was a healing birth for you do you feel it it yeah like it made me it made me feel like I gave birth to my baby like it you know with Rian's birth I know it was a section and it was different but I suppose I always felt I was robbed of that birth of how to do especially when it was a general anesthetic section I suppose because I wasn't any part of it I was put asleep and the baby was gone and I woke up and the baby wasn't even with me so it was yeah it was it it gave me what I wanted out of a birth yeah and how has obviously life is very different in comparison to your first experience in the Mm -hmm. first few weeks so how how have you settled into motherhood this time around Great. Look, we had another a hiccup there with the tongue tie again. Um, so she had a posterior tongue tie. Um, but like that, I mentioned it in the hospital and no, she doesn't. And I did have an argument with the pediatric consultant because she dropped weight, unfortunately, as well, um, because she didn't. Her latch wasn't as good and it wasn't getting the milk because she had the tongue tie. Um, so she did drop. 10.4% of her body weight um, and like that they weren't letting me home but I was saying like that she has a tongue tie and they were saying she didn't and we came to the agreement that if she put on I had to so I had to pump I had to give her a top up so I was doing um, 
I was doing uh, finger feeding. So I'd put my finger in her mouth and she'd suck and then I'd drop the milk into her mouth that way. So she wasn't in a bottle. Um, so she was getting fed that way. With So she was feeding off me. I was using the hacker pump, the silicone pumps, gathering milk. And then I was giving her that milk as a top up through finger feeding. Um, and now I did have to... Uh, that was the condition they they weren't letting me home until I gave her top ups of x amount of mills and she had to put on 50 grams was it 50 grams 50 grams she had to put on in 24 hours and they measured the waiter on the day I was supposed to be going home and she only put on 20 grams and I was so disheartened because she fed really well and then I said look we're at lunchtime and they said she won't put on that much but at lunchtime but she did so well, I was too like, wet nappies like, on her <laughs> I, I, I was like feed 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 so <laughs> I she put it on I'd say the midwife hadn't the words she has the weight up by the time I text my husband going get me now get me out of here yeah. so he picked me up straight away I had the tongue tie booked and it was she went home on a Tuesday and the tongue tie was sorted on Thursday and by Saturday, I wasn't doing any finger feed top ups at all. She was getting no top ups, fully exclusively from the breast. That was it. So very different experiences, even with the tongue tie experiences. Um, yeah. Hers was a lot more straightforward feeding. See, she, I suppose she had been feeding quite well before the tongue tie was released. Like as in she was feeding and sucking more than I suppose Rian was because he was much more premature that his he wasn't even an effective suck where she had a suck. He didn't have anything at all. So it was much, much more easier transition. And sure, she's a buster now. She's piling on the pounds. So and she's only I think she's 12 weeks old yesterday. Well, seven weeks corrected then, you see. So, yeah. But like she's still she's in zero to zero to three months now, two weeks ago. So she's piling on the pounds, whereas he was much slower to progress, you know, onto stages when you see the clothing. That's how you measure it, don't you? Yeah, clothes yeah. When they're moving on. yeah. Yeah. So. And when did you um, decide to become a lactation consultant? Was it between babies? Uh, I did it. Um, I did the exams the week before. She was born, is it? No. Two weeks before? Three, four. Two or three weeks before she was born. No. I did. I didn't. I did it in September. The Friday before we went away to no, North. No, the Friday before we went to Mount Juliet. No, Check your calendar. I did it th- about three weeks before um, the exam. Yeah. So I did. I started on my first uh, maternity leave. I actually started doing the course last and started doing all the study and everything. Um, and then I did the exam there in September gone. So I only found out actually two days ago, Monday, that I actually passed the exam. So very recent. Yeah. 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 Cool. So only passed and I got the results there Monday. So Yeah, and I've heard it's like it's it's no it's no easy job to, no, to get this. No. no. No, I was up here doing I did it remotely, so I did it from home and it was just pull up your sleeves look under the table show me under the chair the no one's going to come in lock the door you know it was just yeah it was very very strange but look yeah it is it's a difficult exam in the sense of you never get the results so you don't know the answers to what you didn't get right okay and you can't learn from them because you don't know what answers that's you got really wrong. annoying 
Yeah, they'll give you a kind of profile and go, you got 20 out of 30 on physiology or you got 8 out of 11 on drug, on pharmacology, but they don't tell you what you get wrong or what's right or no feedback that way. That's bizarre. My husband's doing, he's studying as well. And he said like his are, some of his are similar. So he puts so much in, in work into it, but he learns very little from from like yeah. his own. You know, he, he, I, I don't understand it. That would annoy me. Yeah, but anyway, no, you passed. You're going to go out on your own. Yeah. Um. Look, myself and one of the girls actually that was on maternity at the same time. Um. The two of us said that we'll try set up um free antenatal and postnatal um education. So like your Leslie or like your Kuja, but public health nurse, lactation consultant. So we're kind of trying to focus on getting antenatal education for people. So like a lot of people go in and we found that, that a lot of people come in and have their babies and then they want to breastfeed and there's no education. And it's so difficult and so overwhelming that we kind of want to try to focus and give out antenatal breastfeeding, yeah. just bre- focus on breastfeeding, um, just to give people some, because people spend a fortune on it, paying them privately. So we're trying to do that as a free service that we're going to run in our, in our area, local area. Yeah, for now anyway. See you. Yeah. Well, I won't keep you too much longer. Go on. Thank you so so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to share your story, you're more than welcome to. You can get in touch at the website Ireland'sBirthStories.ie or over on Instagram. But I trust my email inbox. Uh, rather than my DMs because they seem to go AWOL on me. So I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and I will chat to you next week. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.